Hi everyone, I'm Bridget MacArthur and welcome to Chronically Chilled on 3CR Community Radio. Before we begin, I wanted to thank you all for your support during last month's Radiothon, whether that was donating or resharing our episodes or posts or just mentioning us to a friend. We met our target, which means we can keep doing what we do and interviewing awesome guests like the one I have today, Eliza Hull. Eliza is a musician, writer and disability advocate who's performed everywhere from South by Southwest in Texas to Dylan Alcott's Ability Festival here in Nam, and from the iconic Corner Hotel to her local Bridge Hotel, not to mention appearing on Q&A, Big Night In, ABC Radio, and so many other amazing panel discussions. And we're very lucky to have her speaking to us today from her home up in Jajawaran country, Castlemaine. Eliza, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I feel like I really couldn't be talking to you at a better time or potentially a worse time for you from your perspective. You seem to be so, so busy. Um, there's so much going on in your career. To name one thing, you were on The Guilty Feminist last week, um, which yeah. is so exciting that I'm speaking to you in the same fortnight as Deborah Francis White. I feel like that makes us the same person. Um, how was yeah, it? She, yeah, really incredible, actually. And I mean, she's just so funny but also so smart as well and she had a lot of incredible things to talk about and yeah we got a chance to talk about you know inaccessibility in the music industry but also gender imbalance as well so got to perform a song and and the crowd was just really incredible and but also really friendly so it was great yeah my stepmom actually was in the crowd and she messaged me afterwards you've got to interview this this Eliza Hull for your um podcast I was like I'm already doing it <laughs> oh how funny the is that there you go <laughs> <laughs> That's super exciting do you know when the episode's going to be coming out I have no idea no uh, my guess is a couple of months because they're doing quite a large tour in Australia yeah um yeah but can't wait to hear it we'll keep our eyes peeled and you have also just edited a collection of stories by disabled parents across Australia um titled we've got this and co-written a children's book, um, Come Over to My House, which explores the home life of children and parents who are deaf or disabled. So, so, so much going on. Um, but to start with, I really wanted to chat with you about your recent tour of North America, which included South by Southwest, um, the adventures of which I heard about through my good friend and your guitarist, Connor Black Harry. Um, I think when he was telling me about it, I was sort of at that point of post-COVID Stockholm syndrome where traveling just sounded sort of kind of stressful and tiring and then thinking about it on top of the added logistical nightmare of musicians taking your instruments everywhere but then also kind of navigating new places um, as someone with a disability how did you find that whole experience yeah look I probably found it exactly the way you've just worded it it was pretty anxiety provoking because we were still and I mean still are living in a pandemic and it hadn't been overseas for so long and yeah I guess it was just daunting just um especially then because we were still in that phase of if you got COVID in America you'd be stuck there you wouldn't be able to come home Mm. so that was kind of daunting you know thinking how how (laughs) where am I going to stay if that happens but luckily we didn't get COVID Uh, my manager and, and none of the band members got COVID um I think that it was a slightly different South by Southwest festival because people were still very hesitant. And, uh, but I also think that there was some sort of like in a way, positive feeling um, because we were so had come from such a 
you know, a full-on couple of years and it was the first South by Southwest where people were coming together and sharing music. Uh, I think the favourite thing for me was connecting with other musicians with, with disability. I um, uh, got to connect with two, a lot, but two, especially two women that I really admired and one is an incredible um I guess alternative pop musician her name's Ruth Lyon and she's a wheelchair user from the UK and another artist uh, Lauchi who is more in the kind of R&B electronic uh, space and uh, she's a blind musician from America and just you know coming together and feeling very connected even though we were have you know been so far apart and lived in opposite sides of the world mm. just having that mutual understanding of an inaccessible industry and still pushing through all of, all of that and creating music. And so it was just, for me, that was the highlight, connecting and playing show with them and then also speaking on a panel about accessibility in the music industry and having people in the audience really respond to that and stating that they were going to embed uh, accessibility from now on. That was a real positive you know, part of going, really. Mm. Yeah, because you were using the tour to do some sort of advocacy campaigning as well around the country. Was yeah, it interesting definitely. to um, sort of, in, it's interesting that you share that connection of inaccessibility in the industry, but obviously all three of you have quite different disabilities. So you sort of would have mm -hmm. almost been collecting additional stories or mm -hmm. data around um, yeah. many ways yeah. that the industry is inaccessible. Are there any kind yeah. of interesting stories yeah. or that you came across? Uh, I think, you know, Ruth and I really relate because both our disabilities are physical and uh, I, we're now going to do a bit of a, we call it calling it like a cultural exchange where I'm going over to the UK next year and she's coming over here and uh, we'll do some shows here and shows there and then um, I guess, yep, yeah, just basically network and her to meet some organisations over here and because I think she's kind of, in a way it feels like I'm looking at a mirror when I look at what she's doing and that mm. she's part of organisations like Attitude is Everything, which is a UK organisation that is prioritising accessibility and she's an advocate and our, our music's quite similar. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's odd actually when I met her. It just felt like a complete kindred spirit. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was really beautiful. Um, and then Lachi, I mean, Lachi's blind, so... Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, she has different accessibility uh, requirements than me, but she's just a real force. And uh, she made the Grammys accessible for the first time ever in history. And that, you know, by doing that has really paved the way. Uh, she was someone that got a ramp up onto the stage for the Grammys, which I like seems so simple mm. but that, that never happened and she got Auslan interpreters on stage and Auslan interpreters on the red carpet um like steps forward and the Grammys that was the first time that they ever had a ramp up onto the stage and um I think that what why, why that's so important and this is what I'm trying to speak to other organizations here in, in Australia about this is that it, it's not even about whether disability, like disabled people can get up on down the stage. I mean, that is one very, you know, important factor, but it's also uh, the representation of having the ramp up onto the stage so that 
when disabled people are at home as well, watching that and emerging people, young people, teenagers, and see that ramp and they have a disability that is just inviting and, and makes them feel like it's possible. Because as a teenager, for me, watching those kind of shows, watching award ceremonies, I used to tell myself it was never going to be possible. I can't get upstairs. Um, so I think that that is just so important, those messages that we tell ourselves. Uh, and that's where I really hope that we start to see the change, that shift in representation mm. of um, seeing seeing ourselves on, on stages and seeing ourselves at award ceremonies so that we feel like it's possible. Yeah. And as you say, even, even beyond... Um, representation or whether the person is actually on the stage demonstrating that there's at least a um yeah. literally a pathway <laughs> there yeah exactly yeah that's really interesting and how, how did you find the um disability conversation access conversation in the U.S. compared with Australia um you know I think there was a lot of similarities of what we're talking about um I think some of the other people from different countries are probably more ahead of us. Um, <laughs> that generally always happens anyhow. Mm-hmm. They seem to be more progressive. People are listening more over there. Um, but I also think that we are seeing that as well here in, in Australia. It's probably just taking us a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, even just the fact that South by Southwest had a panel on this and had a showcase for disabled musicians was, in my opinion, a step forward that we had. Did you find in your discussions, I mean, on the panel, was there much representation of um, more like in, invisible disabilities? And you kind of, in some ways, are on the... Yeah, I'm in the middle. Yeah, a combination <laughs> I me, of. I mean, I have invisible parts of my disability and very visible parts. So um, there are parts that, that no one would know about how my disability affects me. Um, and when maybe when I'm sitting down, you just would not notice, even though my disability affects my hands. Um, that, yeah, that means that I, I guess I have an invisible disability. But when I walk or when I uh, can't get upstairs or I, I guess that's when um, because I walk very you know very differently um, that's when people will notice that I have more visible disability in terms of on on the panel um, this particular panel featured me uh, Ruth Lyon who I was talking about who, with, who was a wheelchair user and Lachi who was blind and we also had uh, an incredible Australian access consultant. Her name's Dina and she works for Tibi Access and she actually zoomed in on, on, the, on the panel. It was 5 a.m. for her to zoom in, yeah. <laughs> Australian mm-hmm. time, uh, but she did pretty well for 5 a.m. And the reason that she decided to zoom in was just that um, it was just too much for her to travel, especially during such a heightened part of the pandemic. Yeah. An inevitable part, I guess, of being a musician is having to have a certain brand or personal image. How do you navigate that from a disability perspective? Do you Are you actively trying to incorporate that into your image? Are you keeping it separate? Do you often have people wanting you to either incorporate it or keep it separate? Uh, so I've been in the music industry now for 
that just on you know maybe 15 15 years or just under um and uh, yeah ever since I was a teenager I've been involved with, in the music industry but uh for a very very long time I wouldn't have used the word disability didn't identify as disabled and hid hid my disability in you know every way that I could because um because I had been shown time and time again that disabled people don't get opportunities, are not represented in the music industry. Therefore, I didn't feel like it was safe. And um, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be making music. I didn't want to um, not get the opportunities. And um, so I just used to hide it from anyone that I ever met in the industry and even my publisher or booking agent didn't know. Mm. Uh, and then I think, you know, as you, I think as society has has slowly shifted and diversity is something that is spoken about and celebrated, I felt like I was, um, it was becoming a more inclusive space to talk about it. And I also just felt like I was ready to, um, be authentic and be true to myself because it was just too heavy to hold that weight of just constantly having to hide because it was exhausting. Um, and so now it's it's funny now it's the opposite feeling like as in I generally don't really yeah I, it's almost like now the opportunities and the gigs are generally because I have a disability, mm. which is really an interesting space to be in. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's, you know, necessarily right or wrong. It just is. And the, the thing is I'm really willing to speak about my experiences because I want to see change. And I um, I feel like it's actually my purpose to try and um create change so I guess I actually see real value in it and I see value in talking about it and shifting perceptions so that future people with disability can come forward and future musicians with disability can have be amplified and so that's why I spend a lot of my time uh, you know doing double j interviews where I'm interviewing other artists for double j or creating something like the isolated festival where I did accessible all areas where I interviewed other disabled artists so yeah I guess for me it's kind of I've taken it out of myself a bit like I said it's not all about me it's actually about others and so that's where I've really found my purpose in trying to um, amplify others and represent try and get greater representation of disabled musicians Mm -hmm. sometimes it can feel like uh you're being like filling a quota like you're it's like a tokenistic thing and you you wonder whether your music's actually resonating or is is it just that you have a disability that you're being booked so I think that that is a tricky space to be in but at the same time I just often really have to ask myself well if I don't perform there and if I don't speak about disability at that's at that event well, like, what is that? How, who's that going to benefit really? If I'm I'm in that space and I am singing and I am speaking, then I think that that I do see great benefit in that because I see that it starts to shift attitudes and change perceptions. So I guess for me, as long as I'm still um, realizing my purpose, then it feels like it's the right way forward. 
yeah, I guess for better or for worse, things do often have to start somewhat tokenistically. Exactly. Um, that, I mean, ultimately, I just hope that one day we, it's not a quote of Phil and it's just like, it's just embedded. It's just a part of our everyday. Yeah. I used to be in an all-girl band and we we're often only mm-hmm. billed for, you know, girl lineups or yep. girl yeah. quotas. But, you know, we never and hear now all boy band, do we? No, exactly. Unless yep. it's a, like proper boy exactly. band. Yeah. You know, now you're starting to see it just being mainstream. I went I went to see Spider Bait the other day and in their tour, it's like 60% of the support acts are women, of the members mm. in the bands are women. And it's not even like the point of it they're not even <laughs> talking about it so I guess the, there are so many different layers of representation that are at different stages yep you're listening to chronically chilled we've got Eliza Hull chatting to us today talking about what it's like performing live touring internationally and generally navigating the music industry as a disabled woman has COVID been a help or kind of a hindrance on advocacy efforts has it made a broader audience more aware of accessibility um, issues and or the other way around? I think, yeah, both. Like for me, the pandemic has uh, been like something that the disabled community have been asking for for a long time, not the pandemic itself, <laughs> but the, the accessibility that it's provided. Yeah. For instance, um, you know, to even telehealth appointments or being able to access live music from your home or space that you live in. Um yeah, like that is something that you know, we've been wanting for a long time and flexibility with work and um, being able to work from home. Again, all things that disabled people had been advocating for for a long time, often it was, if, if not all the time, it was met with that's not possible. And yet now um, that everybody needs that, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it really taught people I guess, you know, for, 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 I actually feel like in a way it brought people together, like it, that this is something that disabled people often face. Like we often face being excluded from society and feeling like the, the wider society is not accessible. So I think that in a way it brought people together in a, in a really even playing field, which I think was great. And I think that it's enabled live music to, be more accessible to be able to be streamed and I really loved doing the accessible all areas isolate live stream and um, it was just great to for that to go so well and for people to watch it and and that was due to people all being uh, in, in their homes and bringing live music to people's homes in that way was just really great and representing disabled musicians but I also see you know the other side is that um, I mean, the music industry is still not back to where it was. It's mm. a lot of people have really missed out and still do, and it's been a real financial hit. And for me, I lost a lot of gigs. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's when that's one of your main income streams. It can be really, really challenging. Mm. And then now that everything's back, I guess. You're probably busier than ever trying to fit things in, things yeah. that are scheduled. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's still, it's you know, it's still not recovered in, in that you, a gig can be cancelled any minute because if you're a guitarist or your drummer or you had, get COVID or 
yeah, you can't play the gig. So yeah, it's I remember still really Connor being very anxious in the lead up to the American tour. That was yes. on a nice <laughs> Yeah, we were like we were freaking like, out. If someone got COVID, that there goes the whole trip, like full on. Yeah, yeah. Um, back on your your um, two books, particularly the children's book, was that something you were working on in lockdown? Uh, yeah, I think we started it in lockdown. So Sally Rippon's an incredible Australian children's author and I came to her because she's a friend uh, with the idea that after after we've got this, which is about parenting with disability, I wanted to make a children's book that was kind of like a sister book for kids and it um, goes into all different family homes and the, the family, whether it be the child and the parent or just the parent or just the child has a disability and um, it's just either just, you know, part of every day as it, as it is, but it's also um, invites children into those homes and shows that the disability and um, the adaptability of these parents um, is actually what makes the, the, the home fun mm. and unique and uh yeah, it's 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 good. It's a great it's a great book, and um, I just got the first copies. It's available for pre-sale at the moment, but it comes out in September. And it was quite telling seeing um, my two kids just read it constantly and like keep asking for it. So I think that was really beautiful uh, that they loved it so much. And it's just a really colourful, beautiful book. That's great. You've got a free test audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that the um, yeah, I really like the idea of. I guess it's sort of one of the first forms of like cultural content that we consume as kids, and people always mm. talk about how so much is like incidentally absorbed when you're not even realizing it, like pre five oh, years old even. Oh yeah, like you, it's so powerful. Do you remember what um? like kids books you were reading when you were growing up I remember personally it was like Enid Blyton which <laughs> like everything terrifying on reflection um, yeah nuclear family yeah set in England yeah <laughs> yeah so we're so lucky that we've got such great diversity in kids books now yeah absolutely and what else is coming up for you um more music writing yeah i'm making a new record right now um, with a producer called pip norman i also work with a singer called odette on it mm-hmm. um and the songs are you know, sounding great i just filmed the music video from running underwater with a disabled dancer mm. and it's her name's roya the destroyer <laughs> and she's absolutely incredible and um so, yeah, that's gone really well. And then the plan is to go over to the UK um, and uh, go on, on tour in the UK in May and perform with Ruth Lyon over there. Yeah, brilliant. I also saw you're going to be playing White Knight in Bendigo in September. Uh, yeah, yeah. So White Knight's in September this year. And then um, Big Sound. Yeah, is, so- is that the other one that just got announced? Yes, that's big sound. And so that'll be happening in September as well. <laughs> it's great. You know my calendar better than I do. <laughs> no, I was Thank just you. looking on your website. And I also was, I mean, the whole lineup of big sounds is very exciting. A lot of um, friends and favorite bands are playing. Yeah, that'll be amazing. Is there anyone in particular that you're excited to see at big sounds? 
Mm, I really like Alter Boy. Um, they're a band that uh, have members that are uh, deaf or hard of hearing, and they also have Auslan interpreters on stage, and they're an incredible band from mm-hmm. WA. So really excited to see them. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and in addition to going away and listening to your amazing tunes, which listeners can find by searching Eliza Hull in the usual places, Spotify, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, et cetera. Um, where can people go or what can they do if they want to be involved in more disability advocacy efforts or just learn more about your advocacy? Uh, so my website's elizahull.com and that's yeah got information about um, ways that you can be more accessible. So uh, and yeah, speaks about my advocacy. Um, if you're a person with disability and you want to, you know, get involved a bit more with advocacy, we have uh, a Facebook group actually. If you just um, go in and just say Australian um, Arts Disability, if you just type that in, you'll see that there's an incredible Facebook group of, I think, like nearly thousands now um, of uh disabled people that are involved in the music industry or arts industry coming together and yeah we just put opportunities in there and speak to each other it's great mm-hmm. um yeah so just, yeah you know stay in touch really <laughs> yeah are there any other favorite disabled musos that we can hit up on Spotify, get a playlist going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a Spotify playlist actually. If you okay. go into my um, playlist, it's just under Eliza Hull. I've always keep adding to it. Um, there's heaps of Australian and international artists with disability. Some of my favourites are Tralala Blip, who are um, a group that do electronic sounds um, and said they're incredible. Uh, they have members with intellectual disability. They're from around Byron Bay. Um, Aspie Jones is an incredible uh, Queensland artist who has autism. And um, Martha Marlowe is like in- really, really incredible, beautiful singer-songwriter. And she identifies as disabled as well and just wonderful artist. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's all my music homework for the rest of the week. Yeah. Um, great. Well, thank you so much for talking all to right. us. Um, as you said, if anyone wants to hear more from Eliza, you can find everything at elizahull.com. You can also catch her on Facebook and Instagram at Eliza Hull, on Twitter at Music Eliza Hull, and in person, hopefully, at White Night Bendigo or Big Sound in September if um, Connor or no one else gets COVID, fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. I hope so. I hope not. And um, to play us out, we've got a recording of one of my favourite songs of yours, which is Going Soon.
We gotta take a chance Go all the life we need 